Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. I want to thank you for listening to another episode to the, of the road to Damascus, where I'm with my now regular co-host, Mr. Stephen Galitz. Say hello, Stephen. What up? What up? Good to have you here with me. Good to have you. Thank you, crowd. Thank you. We love you. We love you. Appreciate it. Um, before we start, I just want to, this is the sixth show, um, of the, of the new, uh, relaunch of road to Damascus. And I just want to thank uh, all the people who have been listening. The people who have reached out to us, telling us to keep up the good work that's showing love. Um, just want you guys to know if you ever want to reach out to the show or contact us, we have an Instagram page. We can be uh, contacted at road to Damascus. That's at Road to Damascus, the number two. And it's all one word. That's on Instagram. Uh, same thing on Twitter. Uh, Road to Damascus on Twitter as well. And then you can also email the show at a road, a road to Damascus, the number two at gmail.com. So if you have any feedback, any topics you would like to hear us talk about, any suggestions, the DMs is always open. Uh, or the tweet, Twitter DMs, the IG DMs, or even the email DMs are open. So if you guys ever want to hear any topics or hear us discuss anything, you let us know. But it's just me and you today, Steph. And uh, we got one that's going to probably uh, maybe ruffle some feathers, maybe open some eyes. But oh, that's uh, what we do. Well, yeah, that's what we do. But um, social justice. Um, we've. The year 2020 is winding down, but uh, we know that the summer was hot and it started off uh, really what really brought it to a head was the murder of George Floyd. And we use the term murder because he was murdered with the knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds by the police in uh, Minneapolis. And that led to a lot of protest over the summer. And then some other things happened. You had the, young man that was killed in uh the uh wisconsin area i can't think of the name of the, the city off the top of my head but we can just sprout off all the names throughout the years that have um fallen at the hands of um vigilantes or the police and it started to bring up a topic or discussions i should say within the church what is the church and just so you guys know um when you start to hear on this show, on Road to Damascus, when we use the term church, we are not talking about a building. We're not talking about the church you go to and your pastor is there. When we talk about the church, we're talking about the body of Christ, the bride that Jesus is coming back for when he returns. That's who we're talking about when we talk about the church. So never think that we're talking about a particular building or a particular pastor. When we use the term church, we're talking about the body. If we're talking about a specific church, we will then say that specific church. But um, back to what I was saying. So social justice started to become a hot topic. Should churches talk about it? Shouldn't they talk about it? And then we've seen a lot of these issues around race and what um, is the church's role when you have a lot of these mega ministries that have white pastors that are multiracial um, where are their politics? And then, you know, this even came to a head with a lot of um, people of color feeling some certain kind of way about the now, which will be the former president, Donald Trump, and the things that he was saying about black people. But it just brought to the to pretty much to a head. What is the church's role when it comes to social justice? So before you make a comment, Steph, I'm just going to give the textbook definition of what social justice is. Okay. Tech, not what you, not what you feel, not what you would not, not. And I, when I say you, I'm not talking about you, Steph. I'm talking about the people that's listening this, this, because feelings, facts have no feelings. They just are facts, but it still gives people feelings. You're right. So social justice, justice in terms of the distribution of wealth, opportunities, and privileges within a society. That is the textbook definition of social justice. So Stefan, I ask you, okay, should the church 
have a role in social justice and to what extent is the role that the church should play? Yeah, so I believe that the church should. Reason why is because anything that affects uh, members and your brother or your neighbor, um, you should have a role in it. Now, to the depth, I don't believe that people should go as far as um, – I'm going to say as far as presidential candidates, right? Okay. I don't believe the church should endorse a presidential candidate, right? I agree. You know, <laughs> oh, you try to do me this week, huh? <laughs> but at the same time, I do believe that. Well, I church- think I think legally, churches aren't allowed to endorse. They can have. See, you have to have it where I invited this person showed up to the church. I gave them, but the church technically can't is not sub. Technically, because of the tax exemption, they're not supposed to endorse a candidate. Okay. But I, but we know where a lot of churches lean yep. when you got one particular candidate coming to your church. Absolutely. And the thing about it is if it affects people and it affects members um, and anybody's somebody, it, when we talk about social justice, just like you brought it up, uh, we got people that are disenfranchised, um, that are our brothers and our sisters, people that are poor, people that are rich. Um, and people that are may be incarcerated, people that deal with uh, an array of things. And if people are dealing with these, in order for us to understand what they're going through, we have to take a part in this. And then we have to take a stand on what's right. That's the only way we can do it. Dr. King did it. Right. Dr. Martin Luther King went out there and he marched because it was a need for social equality. And he went out there and marched, and he he was able to create a difference with his life. His life served as a, a change agent for the things that were. And, and full disclosure, we are African-American, so anything that has to do with. I mean, I've never been to Africa, so. <laughs> well, I, 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 well, my thing is this. I call myself a black American because I, I wasn't born in Africa, but I know some people use the term African-American, yeah. black. You know, I was born in America. I'm an American. You were born here. Our ancestors was born here. Mm-hmm. We are um, uh, descendants of ADOS, <laughs> African descendants <laughs> of slaves. No, that's a term for the people <laughs> that want the um, the the forty acres and a mule that we were promised. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but anyway, so. You believe that it should stop at endorsements, but let's just talk about social justice, period. Because I think a lot of times there are so many things that fall under social justice that I think people feel as though we shouldn't touch these topics because it will make people uncomfortable. But our job in the church has never been to make people feel comfortable. Jesus didn't come to make people feel comfortable. And you brought up Dr. Martin Luther King. So I'm going to give you a stat, Stephan, that I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, at the time they used to do same thing we do today, you know, polling. Yep. And research, uh, you know, polls. Dr. Martin Luther King, at the height of his popularity in the 1960s, had an approval rating of 26%. That means one out of four Americans approved of what he was doing. That means three out of four didn't. And I'm pretty sure the one out of four were black. So Dr. King's popularity didn't grow until years and years after his death. And people realized what he did. But the fact that he was marching in streets and trying to get equality for black people in this country was seen as trouble, as a rabble rouser, as one who was causing confusion, one who had no right to be doing these things. And a lot of church uh, people had issues with what he was doing. And I would recommend if anybody ever gets a chance to, they should read his letter from a Birmingham jail because he talks about the biggest stumbling block for the growth of African-Americans. But that's just one part of social justice because if we go back to the definition, the definition of social justice talks about the distribution of wealth opportunities. Okay. So that also means money. So 
we know what the Bible says about it being poor people, but we also know that the early church, they brought all their resources together. Why? So people would not go without. So to me, the church has always been Definitely. involved in social justice issues. But you know what? I think we should really break down the types of social uh, justice so people can really get an understanding of it. Okay. Um, the types of social uh, justice are race. Race. Of course, we, we've already discussed right. that one. Gender, age, right? Because um, there's a lot of things that affect adults that may not affect children. And then there's some things that affect children that may not affect adults. Um, sexual orientation, religion. Uh, nationality, uh, which goes back to race, um, education, and then uh, mental and physical ability. Okay. Um, and a lot of times we as people um, don't think about the privileges that we have. So, and I always use this example because it's the best one for me to use. I'm, would, I would, we would have what they call able-bodied privilege. We're not handicapped. Yep. So we don't think about things that handicapped people will have to think about. Yep. So everybody has to sometimes check the privileges that they have and want to be helpful to other people. But I believe that, and I know when it comes to sexuality, that the church, that's going to be a taboo topic mm-hmm. for the church um, to discuss as far as social justice. But my thing is this injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Mm -hmm. And injustice, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I don't believe that I should have the right for anybody to be persecuted. Now, you don't have to agree with somebody's lifestyle, but. To in turn, then turn around and feel like it's okay for this person to be discriminated against. No, I, I, I will not agree with that. I will not endorse that I will not run with that and when the church stays silent and and most of the time I think what people usually especially the biggest thing in this country is race I'm going to say this and some people might get offended some people might not I'm we kick it real on this show this country the United States of America was founded on races it was in our original documents it was written by men who owned other men And that was the foundation of this country. So it is sometimes hard for people to understand that in today's terms because they don't see people with shackles and chains. But then the systems that were set up after the abolishment of slavery with the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendment, the 13th Amendment still has slavery in it. If you are a ward to the state, meaning in jail, that you could still be a slave. And that's why they're able to pay slave wages. But. This country was founded on racism. So the the quote unquote, they call it the original sin. No, it it, it, it was baked into the it's not a it was not a bug. It was a feature mm-hmm. of this country. So that is the number one thing that a lot of people get frustrated with the church because the church in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s were the biggest conduit in this country for change socially. For black people was the church. And if you look at. In the 1800s, organizations like the Quakers, uh, I don't know if any of you all have heard of John Brown. He was an abolitionist who died. Matter of fact, the anniversary of his death was just a couple of days ago. John Brown was an abolitionist that was killing people to help free slaves. I think I did hear about that. Um, you know, the Quakers, they, they, they were a religious organization that didn't believe, that didn't believe in slavery. And a gentleman that and this isn't in the United States, but a gentleman that we were talking about before we uh, started recording, Stefan, was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Now, I don't know if many of you have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran minister in Germany during the rise of Adolf Hitler. And when he began to hear the things that Hitler was saying and the things that Hitler was doing, he began to speak out against it. And when he began to speak out against it, what Hitler and his uh, people begin to do was put misinformation out there, but they needed the help of the church to back him up. So they famously started using Romans 13, which is the scripture that talks about listening to the government and things like that. And we should listen to what this man is saying. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, 
I don't care what scripture you quoting. This man is talking about killing people, talking about doing things that are not right within the eyes of God. So he then started doing underground ministries, preaching against Hitler and things like that. Now he did join an organization that did plot to kill Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. And he was eventually caught and he was killed. I believe two weeks before the allied forces were able to start freeing um, people in Germany, but he was out there. He died for the cause of social justice. Martin Luther King Jr. died for the cause of social justice. So for us as a church to feel like it's okay to just be quiet for these things is unacceptable to me, especially when for the last three years, the church has been very loud when it's been coming to politics. Yep. Yeah. You know, all of those people have in common. I just watched uh, a couple of weeks ago. I watched uh, the movie Harriet. Right. And it was a, it was a pretty much a uh, they would call that a biopic, right? Yes. So it was a biopic of Harry Tubman, and uh, it kind of showed. Of course, it was more Hollywood, right? But it showed how she escaped, and she had this communal God. And John Brown called her a uh, general. He he worked with her oh, and so Frederick Douglass. Yeah, I think I he don't was, know. I don't know if he. I, I haven't he seen the have movie, movie, but but he called her general. He he. He's the one who started calling her. I believe that. Okay, but she escaped. Then she came back, right for people. Right, and she freed tons of slaves. Correct. Then even joined in after she moved to Canada, joined um, uh, part of the uh, Civil War, and. <laughs> Had a whole like battalion of people. Okay, you know, and uh, every single thing that uh, this every single person that you name, Dr. Martin Luther King, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, Harriet Tubman. We just talked about uh, who was the other um, person you said, John Brown. John Brown. All of these people became selfless, right? They became selfless. And they were able to achieve something. Some of them, it cost their life. Some of them, it didn't. It didn't cost Harriet Tubman her life, but she was willing to sacrifice that. She was willing to die for this. She was willing to die for that. Uh, John Brown, you said it, it cost him his life. It cost him his life. Dr. Martin Luther King, it cost him his life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it cost him his life. And that's why, I, and not the change, but it's funny to me that sometimes people always talk about, well, you need to be more like Dr. King. And, and and speak like him and think like him because they only limit him to his I have a dream speech, but they don't talk about the 1968. Have I integrated my people into a burning house, Dr. King? But you know what I say to people always say, be more like Dr. King. Well, you kill him, too. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. he was killed even being peaceful and not hurting a rock. He still was killed. But the thing is this stuff. Biblically. Jesus ministry was about love. Am I correct? Yep. And because his ministry was about love, Jesus talked about helping the orphan, helping, helping the poor, helping the sick, not just in, in flesh, but in spirit and all of these things. So our job was to help people. John three sixteen, the most famous scripture that most people know, whether they go to church or not is John three sixteen. John three sixteen says what? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't say that God so loved Christians. It didn't say God so loved the Israelites. God so loved uh, straight people. God so loved any of these. It said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So we should be out here as a church and I'm not even necessarily saying that we have to lead the way like a Dr. King did, but we definitely should be speaking to these issues. When you are a pastor at a church and the majority of your congregation are black and black males, and then we wonder why black males are leaving the church, but the majority of your church is black with black males and you speaking nothing about black men being gunned down in the street. And a lot of the, because a lot of issues that I was hearing with the church was they had issues with the Black Lives Matter. Yep. And I know that black. Well, I'll say this. The history of Black Lives Matter just started off as a social movement. 
And I know later it was turned into a organization. The organization itself has some things within their mission statement or their vision or their, um, their, their manifesto or whatever you want to call it. But they have some things that a lot of churches are, aren't going to agree with. And that was a lot of reason for people to say church folks shouldn't be supporting black lives matter. But the thing is this, it became an organization after it became a social justice movement. Black lives. So you're telling me you don't think black lives matter. What, what should we call it? Cause at the end of the day, it started as an organic movement. Black lives matter because they have never mattered in this country. So we were told not to support them and all these other things. And I, and I use an argument that a lot of people might not understand or might be offended by, but I used it as I look at this, the Catholic church, the Catholic church was, uh, has many organizations that they use to help poor people. They have, um, things that they do to help kids in the hospital and, they are an organization that is doing very well to really do true outreach, right? Yep. But the Catholic Church also, the leadership has hidden the fact that they had ministers that pedophile that were pedophiles or ministers that were getting uh, nuns pregnant. The nuns were either aborting the children or letting the children die, and they were hiding them in walls in church. Now, People can say, well, why are you going to bring that up and things like that? What I'm saying is sometimes what the people at the bottom are doing to support an organization and what people are doing at the top of the organization don't always vibe. But what is the, the true meaning of what the organization is trying to do? Black Lives Matter is trying to make sure that black people, whether they are uh, straight, whether they are gay, whether they are male, whether they are female, whatever, is to make sure they're not being killed. I don't think anybody should be killed. I don't think because you have a different belief than me or that you have a different gender orientation than I, that you should be killed for no reason. Is is that is there something wrong with that? Am I wrong in my feeling about that? No, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, um, sometimes organizations can be tricky where uh, it starts off as a benevolent uh, intention. And then it gets watered down and then it becomes more political than it is actually the movement. The biggest thing is, is that we make sure that we take a stand on the social uh, injustices and we stay on the side of right. In uh, John chapter, um, I believe it's chapter. Uh, is the gospel of John? Yeah, the gospel of John. I believe it's chapter. Uh. No, John chapter 15. Okay. Chapter 15, verses uh, 12 and 13, it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so people that have taken the side of the right, right? And when I say the right, I would define that as knowing that somebody is not being treated fairly, no, noticing that someone is um, being being uh, pushed down. Um, and uh, so you, you take people like, like I said, like a Harriet Tubman, and you take somebody like um, Dr. King, and they, uh, they, they literally start a movement that is of no bearing on themselves, but they use their only voice and they commit their life to something to liberate a part a, a people, one person at a time. But even a person like Dr. King to have a dream to know that these things aren't going to change in his time. He said, he said, I might not. Time. He said, I might not get there. With he you. might not get there, but, but he. But, but we as we, a people. We'll get to the promised land. Remember, Moses never made it to the promised land. That's that's the thing. And so when you really look at that and you think about how it's, it's important that us as individuals, believers, 
to take a stand on what's right. And we put ourselves, you had made a comment earlier and you said something about, um, you know, something, I think you said something about something handicapping and it immediately sparked a, a thought. Oh, in us my being mind. able-bodied. Us being able-bodied, right? Now, we don't consider the injustices that handicapped people may go through right. or somebody blind may go through. How many how many times have you seen a sign on a door that actually has little bubbles on it? You don't care about that. That's right. Braille. Braille for people that. So now, well, how often have you seen somebody who feel like they got to rush in somewhere parking a handicap spot? There you go. But it's somebody that really has an issue that cannot make it far. Right. So they're supposed to be up front, but because you feel entitled, you want to take their 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 spot. And, and be and, in their position, but and, you and, won't want to be in their shoes. Right. But, but, and to me, that's where we have to be sensitive to other people. Exactly. Because you jump in that spot, somebody say something, you be like, man, I just had to run in there for a second. I wasn't going to say, but what if a, that one time you do that, the person needed that spot. Exactly. I, that's why I just, I, I, I always say this, and this is a reflection of my own life. I feel like as I continue to pray the prayer that um, like Lord allow my heart to be like your heart, to see the reflections, to, to the things that bother you, let it bother me. The things that are right, let that, let that stand firm in me and the things that are wrong, let them feel wrong to me too, because then you'll begin to have this selfless mentality. Your whole heart will become selfless to where, you know what, certain things won't even sit well with you. So when somebody is being oppressed, you are there to help them. Right. It can be small things. It can be work-related. You can be around somebody at work, and they're picking on this one person. And it may, it may be funny, but you wonder why, actually, as you continue to develop this relationship with God, why this person, you start to feel kind of like, Wow, this I feel bad for that person. You know, it, it social social injustice doesn't just happen as a national or international thing. These things are local, community right. things. These well, things happen they happen work. everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you have to be willing to stand up for people, just everyday people. If you see any injustice anywhere, that's why I said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So we have to be ones who look out for. Everybody, I, I can't think of the exact scripture, but I know in Peter it says, how can you hate your brother who you see every day and love a guy whom you've never seen? Yeah, we've never seen God and claim we love him, but we hate our brother who we see every day because our brother isn't the same color as us, because our brother doesn't have the same sexual orientation as us or things like that. Jesus preached love. He said love covers a multitude of sins. He said hope, faith, and love. The greatest of these three is love. We have to be willing to love people. We have to be the ones. He said you, they'll know you minds by the way you love. We have to be willing to love on people and, and have an open door to the church, just like we want an open heaven for us. And, and when we shut ourselves off to the things of the world, then we're shutting ourselves off to the people. I'm not talking about one running hand in hand with the government. Cause that is not the job, which I see the church is trying to get back in bed with that. You don't learn from history. You bind or repeat it. And we end up like the Sadducees and the Pharisees who was in the bed with Caesar at the time, but you don't learn from history. You bind or repeat it. Our job is to help those who can't help themselves. Like the early church did to be the ones who are looking out for the orphan looking out for the widow, looking out for the ones who can't do for themselves. And what I tell people all the time is it was times in this country where people would leave Sunday's church service and go to a lynching. They would leave Sunday church service and go to a lynching. And like nobody thought that that was wrong. And they said that, you know, that was their, that they looked at that as that, that was their form of social justice. Cause this man whistled at a white woman, this yep. black man. They, they looked at that as their duty to protect their people, to protect their property and all of that other stuff. So I'm not, and I'm not saying that sometimes you might find yourself in a conundrum where you like, I don't think we should go that far, but at the end of the day, you don't want to see injustice anywhere, whether it is locally or whether it's internationally. I agree. 
No, and that's it. That's why it's important that we all take a stand and we begin to uh, like like mission trips. Mission trips aren't for us. They actually teach us, but they're for other people. You know, you can do mission trips here locally. It's a lot of people that are that, that are hungry, um, that, that need to eat. There's people that uh, that, you know, are single mothers, single fathers. They need help. Um, it's, you know, an, an, an array of things that us as a community deal with. And it's important that we stay in tune so we can um, lend a hand or be a help meet on however we can um, so we can be a stronger unit. And it's very important that we remain selfless so we can have that ear to listen because um, it's, 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 it's perilous times right now and it's not getting any better. People think it's going to get better, but it's not. And it's actually, um, it's getting worse, but it's, it's, it's a gradual worse. Right. Right. It's not just a, you know, bottom of the barrel worse. It's a slow, it's a slow uh, increase. Um, But there is hope in God. There's always hope in God. Always hope. It's not, this is not a hopeless thing. This is a hope thing. So just like we know there's, there's hope. We've got to be able to give other people hope too. Right. You gotta be able to give hope to people that uh may be struggling with their identity as far as gender, people that are struggling with uh sexual orientation, uh people that are struggling with uh racial issues on both sides, people that are being um uh uh racially discriminated against and people that are racially discriminating people. Um people that are poor. You know, somebody may not make as much money as you, and it's important that um, you understand their struggles. Even if, you know, it's somebody that they you may make more than them or whatever, it's important that we all understand the struggle of someone else so we can have humility. Because humility is definitely from God. To be able to have humility and to be able to have understanding is revelation. And uh, well, I'm a so here's a couple of scriptures that um kind of talk about how we're supposed to look out for one another. So our Galatians three twenty eight says there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, did that give any specifics? It just said we are no longer Jew or Greek. Slave or free, male or female, but all one in Christ Jesus, right? Yep. Galatians 6 and 2 says, bear one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So that means we're supposed to, what? Help our brothers out. We're supposed to help them with their burdens. Didn't, and and where we can't help them, we tell them to take it to God, because he said what? His burden is light and his yoke is easy. Romans 15 and two says each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. Yeah. So these are areas where you can get super technical and this and that, but it's telling us that we're supposed to look out for one another. And like you said, you know, um, you know, the Bible talks of even the commandment about loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Jesus, when they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind, your body, your soul. But the second greatest is what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So he didn't put, he just said, love your neighbor. So that means it doesn't give a specific of what type of neighbor. Your neighbor is everybody who's out here, yep. whether they believe like you believe, whether they worship like you worship, whether they pray like you pray. Your job is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when you see your neighbor with a knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds and don't have a problem with that and don't want to come out and speak against that and don't want to address the elephant in the room because the thing, and we're going to hit this topic later when we 
have a topic about apologetics or urban apologetics, but we have seen an increase of black males who have left the church. Um, and, and I mean, we grew up, we, you know, you see moms in the church with the kids. You really weren't seeing men anyway, but now you see more black men leaving the church, joining other faiths. Why? Because they don't feel as though that the Christian church is doing anything for them when it comes to supporting the black male. And when you see a man getting killed in the streets and you say nothing, you remain silent. And then when you see him, um, white evangelical pastors talking about, we know this country has some racism, but those were white blessings. Like people like, wait, what white blessings? You understand what I'm saying? It, it, it becomes like, what, what's, what's, what's the gig? And then we start to really break it down. You like, well, I saw some, some theology in American churches that are a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, non-biblical. Yep. And so we have to address those and, and, and address the elephants in the room and not be afraid to speak about them. And we have to hear out what people have to say. Like I said, you, you're not going to agree with everybody and everything. And, and, and I'll even say this. Have you ever heard of the name, uh, Bayard Rustin? No. Bayard Rustin was a civil rights activist, um, in the sixties. He was one of the, uh, key contributors that helped plan and get the March on Washington started. Now the March on Washington was the greatest. Well, I'm not going to say greatest. It's the most well-known March ever in America. It was when Dr. King did his famous I Have a Dream speech. The reason I bring up Bayard Rustin is with this. Dr. King was a Baptist preacher in the 1960s who was trying to get civil rights passed for everybody, which then later him fighting for these turned into the 1965 um, Civil Rights Act as well as the 1965 Voter Rights Act and the 1968 Fair Housing Act. All of these things passed, but Bayard Rustin was a gay man. Now here you have in the sixties, a man who is helping Dr. King. Dr. King did not accept this man's help or did not get with him for organizing the March on Washington because this man was same sex attracted because why? Because it was for the greater good of all people. And this man was still a black man in this country who wanted to see black people have their rights respected, appreciated and not being killed in their driveways like dogs or hung from trees or being able to go to any restaurant they want to, or go to schools that were well funded and given good education. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So are you willing to work with people that aren't like you to get things done for the common good, for the greater good? And, and to me, those are the things that don't get talked about that are scared to get talked about because people don't want to get labeled, but it don't matter what you think that you going to get labeled because they label Jesus. They label him a heretic. They label him a blasphemer. And we talked about Dr. King dying the way he did out of all of these. Look how Jesus died. Did Jesus die a peaceful death? Did Jesus die of old age? No, but you know, there's a lot of people out here that are, are you know, that probably try to contribute and um, people dim their fire or dim their light. And people, well, I'm here to, to relight that fire. There you go. I mean, people really need to not just the, the racial, right? You know, yeah, no, no, not just the not racial, just the racial, uh, um, I'm uh, injustices. I'm just very, very passionate about very that. Pa you got the Kwanzaa hat on. Right now, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, but it, it's not not just the, the racial injustices, but the the injustices in, in totality. There's a lot of people that are struggling, and it is our job as uh, children of God and believers to give other people hope, because God is hope. And people struggle with a lot of things, a ton of things. Some things that you and I don't even struggle with. There's some things you probably struggle with. There's some things you probably don't even struggle with. You're not poor. So it's hard for you to understand what it's like for somebody to be able to wake up 
and not be able to grab a cereal bar or say, I want to go run in the morning. Like you, 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 you live in a neighborhood where I'm able to go run. Where you're able to run. You live in a a pretty nice neighborhood to where it's a a mixed race neighborhood. um, And you can go out and run. You have a daughter that's able to go and play with her friends and your son can come and not be, uh, uh, you're not worrying about violence. And not, no violence. So that alone is a privilege. Absolutely. To be able to have that, right? Right. So then each one of us have to take ourselves away from that at times and right. say, you know what? What is it that other people are dealing with that I may not understand, but somebody else is? It's been a while since I had, I, I've had the struggle of, it's been a while since I've had the struggle of, of uh, lack of work. And things like that. So at times, um, for humility, I try to remember what it was like to have that feeling to where oh, I, I need a job. I need this and I need that. And God has blessed me and he continues to bless me. But I still remember that. So when people need help. So do you think the number one thing we need is empathy? Yes. Empathy is a selfless thing. That's putting yourself to be selfless, you have to put yourself out of the equation, but also remember the equation. See what I'm saying? Or remember, so like it's like math, right? Math is all about equations. You have to remember the formulas. Formula. Not right. equation, formula. You have to remember the formula, but take yourself out of the equation. Absolutely. So if you remember the formula to say, you know what? I know what it was like. To wake up in the morning. There's no nothing to eat. You see everything is dry. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I know, I know that feel. And and I mean, I even look at like, and I'll use this as like my mom. My mom owns her own business. I work for my mom. She owns a home health care business. She's been doing this for 20 plus years. That is her ministry. And at times my mom is being pulled to go into the suburbs and take her business there. But she wants to be in the city and she wants to help the people that can't really help themselves. So her home health care business has a lot of clients that are people that probably couldn't have anybody else taking care of them. And that's her ministry and it's selfless. And, you know, my mom is blessed and has some things and, she's still able to still be empathetic to the plight of people because she knew what it was like not to have A, B, C, and D when she was younger or um, just years ago. I mean, you know, there was times that she needed assistance and that's where we have to be empathetic to the fact that, I mean, the church now is like, we make people feel bad if they like on food stamps and all that other stuff. You know, right. You're right. They shouldn't be on food stamps. You should be helping these people, but we've let the prosperity gospel pervert our thinking and thinking that I need to give all my money to this church so I can be blessed, which we're going to do a topic on it too. There's so many topics I got lined up, but um, yeah. So at the end of the day, when it comes to, a quality of wealth. If it comes to a quality of living, we shouldn't want to see anybody out here dying. We shouldn't want to see anybody being persecuted. We shouldn't want to see anybody out here treated unfairly for any reason whatsoever. And we need to speak up against that. Now you might, like I said, have some differences here and there, some nuanced differences, and we can have nuanced conversations, but let's have the conversation. We can't run from things. And I feel like the church is running away from things more than they're running to things. I've said it before. And I think I said it in one of my closing statements is the church is supposed to be a hospital. And the hospital helps people that are in an emergency. And when people are in an emergency, we have to be willing to help them. But we also have to do the the uh, wellness checks to make sure people are well, but we have, but if we, if we see something going on, but you have like, what is it? You brought up mission statements, but you have organizations like 
doctors without borders that go yep. to these different countries and these people who can't afford doctors, they'll do cleft lips. They'll do medicine. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. For people who couldn't afford this, who couldn't um, otherwise have these opportunities to ever see a doctor, these doctor do, doctors do these things to help these people. The church should be going out and you don't even always have, my thing is this. What if you went out Steph and you had a soup kitchen and you fed everybody? Yep. And you just gave them a blessed word for that day. You ain't preach at them. You ain't sit there and say, we about to have Bible study. And I'm going to tell you all about God. No, because why they going to start to see this person got a heart. There's something different about them. And then when they start to see that your heart is different, they gonna want us to know why is your heart different? You just say, well, I'm doing what God has called me to do. Well, I want to know your God. Tell me about your God that allows you to want to be able to wake up on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings and come out here and give me soup. See, we feel as though that we have to always inject God and everything. He's going to be in it no matter what, because if you have his character, it's going to shine in you. And I think a lot of times we don't even let that ability of his character in us to shine through because we feel like we have to put on this front facing persona of, well, we can't talk about that. We can't get involved in that. We can't do that. Why not? Why not? I mean, I, I, I just, I, I've, I've had debates with ministers and pastors about certain things that just, I, I just need to understand that we're okay with Palestinians being shot and killed in the middle of the street. We're okay with them being in an open air prison um, or whatnot. No, I'm, 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 I'm for you for humanity, for everybody. Definitely. My mom has always said to me, if you feel a fire rising in you, that can be God instilling that in you. And it's okay to be the opposition sometimes. Some people may not always agree with you, but when you know it's something that is right, right, and it doesn't put harm to anybody else, you have to act on that. And, and, and that's why I say this. And when I say no harm, I'm talking no harm. Right. Well, and that's what I'm saying. We brought up John Brown, right? Yeah. When they killed him, you know what they killed him for? Treason. They killed him for treason. This man was trying to help free black people in this country. John Brown was the first person in the United States of America that was killed for treason. And his treasonous act was trying to free slaves. Think about that in this country. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was looked at as the opposition. He wasn't popular in this country. He was killed yep. for speaking out against Hitler. Like now we can sit here in revisionist history and be like, who would have supported Hitler? Oh, well, we see what these people support now. So I ain't questioning. <laughs> I, I, I got some questions about if you would have supported Hitler or not, because I see what we doing now, but that's another subject for another day. Yep. Dr. King was looked at like a rabble rouser. Get, get it together, King. We don't need you pushing the envelope. Y'all time is coming. Like when, when, when do we have the justification to tell somebody when is their time? You understand what I'm saying? When, when, when do we have the justification to tell somebody it's their time to be able to be set free, to be able to have equality, to be able to get the things that are promised to us in the constitution that all men are created equal. Who are we to say, well, wait, 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 you don't want to, you don't want to bring that up yet. Your time going to come like a, a more convenient time. It's never a convenient never, time. Never. If you, if, if you want to get things done, you have to sometimes shake the cage. And if the cage doesn't get shook, it won't happen. And we can't sit here as a church and just say, I'm okay with this happening. I'm okay with that happening and not saying anything about it. I just, and, and anybody who knows me, you know how I am when it comes to this stuff, Stephanie. And, and even I've, and I think one time we had a conversation, you and I and Vince, we were on three way. And I told you the thing that I struggle with the most is being a Christian, but also being a black man, mm -hmm. because I know there are some things um, in my faith that um, don't um, flow with some of the things that 
we're supposed to believe or the ways we're supposed to feel. And my thing, and like I've told people before, when I walk out of church, don't nobody know I'm a Christian. When I'm in my car driving and the cop pulls me over, he don't know I'm a Christian. He knows I'm a black man. Mm-hmm. And he's going to treat me according to how his heart is. Because I don't know where how his heart is. How do you feel about black people? Did you have a bad day at home today? Or are you going to take it out on me? Am I going to say something that's going to trigger you? You understand what I'm saying? George Floyd died over $20. Cop was okay with putting his knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds like a dog. And I'm not even going to say like a dog because we treat animals in this country sometimes better than we allow, allow black people to be treated. Would you agree with that? Because Michael Vick spent two years in jail. Yeah, that's – I just seen that documentary too. That was pretty messed up. Um, so we just have to, at the end of the day, put pressure on the church to begin to move in a direction – that is going to help everybody. And I know there are going to be some things that the church is certain things that the church is not going to touch. And I'm okay with certain things that they're not going to touch. I know they're not going to get um, involved in, in, in any um, certain issues like same sex attracted people, gay rights. They're not going to get involved, but even with that, they get involved in abortion. Um, and and they've gotten involved in politics. And so I, I, I can say what the limits can be, but I don't know what the limits should be. What do you think? I mean, that sounds like it's that, that needs to, I mean, it, it has to be a stand taken. Right. But even the you article I sent you, what did the article say? It said that we have so many denominations. We can't even agree what the book say. It's true. So we need to err what on the side of love compassion and the things that Jesus talked about faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these three is love. Mm -hmm. We need to err on the side of love covering a multitude of sins. Absolutely. And you know, true change doesn't really happen until you're tired. Right. So, um, until people get tired enough and then they're tired of all of this division, even within the churches and things like that, then true change takes place. Um, and so even, you know, it, it's important that we take a stand on what side uh, us as the church will be on within these issues, um, but also not treating anyone differently as well, Jesus, you with someone else. Jesus said what? Let the wheat and the tear grow together, mm-hmm. and he'll do the separating. We don't have a heaven and hell to put anybody in. Absolutely not. So our job is to what? Disciple. Some are called to water. Others are called to plant, but God gives the increase. We treat this thing like it's a chia pet. We want to plant the seeds, water it, and watch it grow. That ain't how it's supposed to go. Jesus said, let the wheat and the tear grow together. He'll do the separate. So we do our part, and he's going to do his part. Absolutely. And, th- and that's where we have to. And that's why we have to take it. You have to, um, like you said, I mean, you have to be able to, you have to take a stand on uh, what the word says, but then also not treat anyone differently because they have a different view. A lot of people go back and forth about different views. People get angry, and then anger creates separation. And then nobody comes to a common ground. Um, That's why you have so many different denominations because each one believes this, the other person believes this, there's an anger feud between those, and then you just say, you know, I'm starting my own thing. It's like, it's like the person, what, what's the Coney Island downtown? Oh, American, uh, American Coney and Lafayette. Yeah. Bro, they're, aren't they family? Right. They mm. had the same recipe. They couldn't agree on something, so one person said, you know what, I'm starting my own. I think they were both Lafayette, or weren't they both American? I, something I can't. I, I can't think they remember. were both American, and then the one who started Lafayette just said, you know what, I'm gone. Right. So they have the same recipe. That should show you the exact same thing. We have the same recipe, which means we have the same Bible. We have the same word. We just if you believe, we just Jesus look at died it. I always say, I always say, if you believe in the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ, we ninety percent on the same page. There you go. We got the same recipe. It's just certain things and nuances that we might have seen differently on, but that's why he's going to do the separating. 
because he knows the heart. Ultimately, he knows the heart. And where's your heart in a situation? See, that's the thing that we have to look at. But that's part of my closing statement. So um, we could talk about this all day. I could, I can, you know, you know I'm pretty sure people are going to listen to this and be like, Steph probably, because we almost about an hour in, Steph probably talked for about four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but you know how you get. Yeah. You start playing in that song, y'all don't hear it. It's in the very back. It's like, it's real faint. Can y'all hear it? Let me pause for a second. <laughs> it's like I'm black at a black the black 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 whatever. He start gassing up when he hear that. So Yeah, so um Steph, always a pleasure, sir. Definitely but hit us with your closing statement. Um very important that we show love. Um and love requires us to not turn the blind eye but to um, expose the, the, the dark things. And um, we talked on a later show about truth. And a lot of us know truths, and we may not act on them. Um, people that are struggling, people that are dealing with various things, uh, people that um, um, don't feel the love even within the churches because that becomes a social issue also. Um, it's important that we make sure that we share love and we spread love. It's a lot of people that feel like the church hasn't even welcomed them based on their orientation or based on their, 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 uh, um, views, but it becomes a common thing to where it's like, we all need Jesus and Jesus draws us closer to God. And we have this commune and God is the one that changes our heart. And so it's important that we take that stand and we move forward in promoting Jesus and allowing him to come into our lives to begin to change us. And then those changes create a ripple effect that change the ones around us. Because if our mind becomes his mind and our heart becomes his heart, then we begin to get that effect because now we become more like Christ. And that is the goal. So, um, I enjoyed it. Hey Amen. I like that. Um, relationship. The Bible says, for the tradition of men have made the word of God of non-effect. I believe that the number one thing we should do as a body and as a church is get back to a relationship. And if we build up our relationship, and if we begin to come together with our relationship with Christ, our relationship with Christ will get stronger where our faith in God will continue to grow. And I know a lot of people are going to hear today's show and they might agree with some of the things I've said, and they might not agree with any of the things I've said. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel and I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be a change in us. When we get closer to Christ, there absolutely needs to be a change, but we need to get people there to understand that Christ is the one who ultimately makes the change not us. We just have to introduce them to the God that we love, to the God that we fell in love with, because I guarantee you, if we introduce people to the God, to the Jesus of Nazareth, the one who died for the remissions of our sin, if we introduce them to him, he will ultimately begin to help with the change that they need to do. Like I said before, some are called to plant others water, but God gives the increase. So we need to love one another. And with loving one another, having that agape love for your brother, well, in this term, it would be a philia, which is brotherly love. Having that brotherly love means that you don't want to see anybody suffer. You don't want to see anybody hurt. You don't want to see anybody having any injustice done to them. And if you don't want any injustice done to you, you have to speak up for the injustice has been doing, that's been done to other people. And they will know you, our minds, by the way you love. So saying that, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, but it's about the journey. And we'll catch you guys next time. Until then, we're out.